expecting Pastor Summer or Pastor Jason. Surprise! Any prayer requests before we go to the Lord? Yes, sister. Unspoken request. God sees your hands. God sees your heart. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Our most kind and gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for this day, Lord. We thank you for your many beautiful blessings that you have given us. Lord, we thank you for what you have done, for what you are doing, and for what you will do, God. Lord, you've heard the spoken. Lord, you know the unspoken, those that are in the hospital. Lord, you are there. Those, Lord, that are at home sick, you are there. Lord, for us that are here, you are there. Lord, we ask that you'll move and that you'll touch, Lord, on our pastors as they are on vacation, God, that you'll stretch forth your hand, give them protection, Lord, but give them rest and give them peace, Lord. Lord, we ask this in Jesus' sweet and holy name we pray. Amen. Is the youth going back? Okay. The youth can go on back, and as they are going, please, if you've got an offering or ties, you're welcome to come up and put it in the plate. Thanks, guys. Bye, guys. Let's, let me tell you, our youth are very blessed, especially tonight. They don't have to hear me. <laughs> Only if I get to go, brother. Now, I realize that some of you have never heard me preach. And that's where your blessing is ending is because you've never heard it. But now you're going to get to hear it. Uh, just a few announcements. Friday morning, I believe there will be Bible study. Uh, Saturday at 2 p.m., there is the memorial for my, my uh, son-in-law. So please keep my daughter in your prayers. Um, Sunday morning, Sunday school. Adult Sunday school at 9.30. And I want to put in a shameless plug here. 
but we also have started another ministry, a new ministry here at the church, and it's called Lakeside Life Care. If you don't know what that is, Lakeside Life Care is all about reaching out to each other and helping in times of need, whether it's physical, mental, or spiritual. We are here to talk, we are here to work, we're here to do whatever. But, and here's, there's always a but with me, we don't know what you need unless you touch base with us. And there are several ways that you can touch base with us. There are prayer cards out on the, out on the information station. Next to the prayer cards, the same size of card, there is a life care card, life care request. Fill that out, put it in the prayer box. We've done that on purpose. They are the same size, so no one will know whether you're putting in a prayer request or you're putting in a, a help request. And you may say, that sounds foolish, but we all deal with pride. And none of us wants to admit, especially us guys, that we need help. So we've done that so that it will stay with you and my wife and I. Now, if we have to, we will reach out to members of the church. For instance, if we need to do some construction, you've got some construction work, grass mowing, whatever, we will reach out to just select people in the church, and they will be on board as well. They won't know other than what they are designed to do. For instance, if somebody needs something done physical around their house, house cleaning, they won't know why you need your house cleaned. They'll just, need, they'll just know you need help cleaning your house. That's all they will know. That stays between you, me, and God, and the pastors. Life care. Use it. It's there for your benefit. It's there for ours. Uh, there's going to be some brochures outside as well this evening. And in one of those, in, in that brochure, it says, this is an answer to prayers for answering prayers. So this is something God laid on my heart about two years ago. And I spoke with my wife about it, and she was all on board. I spoke to Jason and Summer about it. They're all on board. And then right before the pandemic happened was we, when we was putting it in place. And, of course, the pandemic, the shut hands, and all of that, so we didn't get a chance to do it until now. But we have life care at the church. Any other announcements we need to make? Joshua chapter 2, verses 1 through 21. And for those of you that sit in my adult Sunday school class, no, we're not going to go in depth on every one of these scriptures because we'll be here for at least, what, 21 weeks? We're doing one verse a, a Sunday back there. But you're welcome to join us, 930, in Sunday school. Uh, we're studying the minor prophets. I will tell you it took us two years to go through the book of Revelation. It took us an entire year to go through the last week that Christ was here, uh, the Passion Week. It took us a solid year just to study the Passion Week. So, yes, we're getting in some details. But Joshua chapter 2, starting with verse 1, going through 21, and I'm just going to park it in different places and make some points as we go. And Joshua, the son of Nun, sent out of Shittim two men to spy, secretly saying, Go view the land, even Jericho. And they went and came unto a harlot's house named Rahab and lodged there. 
And it was told the king of Jericho, saying, Behold, there came men in hither tonight of the children of Israel to search out the country. And the king of Jericho sent unto Rahab, saying, Bring forth the men that are come to thee, which are entered into thine house, for they be come to search out all the country. And the woman took the two men and hid them and said thus, There came men unto me, but I wist not whence they were. And it came to pass about the time of shutting of the gate, when it was dark, that the men went out. Whither the men went, I wot not. Pursue after them quickly, for ye shall overtake them. But she had brought them up to the roof of the house and hid them with the stalks of flax which she had laid in order upon the roof. And the men pursued after them the way to Jordan unto the fords, and as soon as they which pursued after them were gone out, they shut the gate. Now let's park it here for a second and let's talk about flax for just a moment. I don't know if you know what flax is. I don't know if you know what it looks like. I don't know if you know what it is used for. But flax is a, it's a grain, it's a stalk, if you will. And they beat it, and they break it, and they twist it, and basically they mutilate it. And then they put it out on their roofs to dry so it can get bleached white in the sun. And then they strip it and they make linen out of it. Flax is normally black or a very dark color when it comes out of the ground before it's dried. And they do all of this to it so that they can make linen. Then in the sun it bleaches white. In the sun it bleaches white. Now there's a point there. In the sun, our sun, the son of God, we are bleached white. Our sins are forgiven if we accept him as our personal Lord and Savior. Our sins are never to be brought up against us ever again. It's not that he puts them in the sea of forgetfulness because that does not exist. He just chooses not to remember. There's a big difference. Has somebody wronged you? Has somebody made you mad? And if I truly ask this question, everybody in this audience, probably including who's on the internet, could raise their hand. Have you ever been church hurt? Yeah. I think every one of us could say we've been church hurt. But what do we do with that church hurt? Do we bring it up? Or do we just choose to forget? It's up to us. It is up to us. And it's up to us to choose not to remember the times that we've been hurt, the times that people have wronged us, the times that people, have, and I'm, I wish there was a mirror back there because I am talking to myself, the times that people's ticked us off just today in the car, someone decided to pull out in front of me. I remembered I had a visitor with me, Miss Debbie, and I didn't say too bad of words. Thank you, Miss Debbie. But we can all say 
that we've been hurt. If you're married, you can say that probably you and your spouse have not always gotten along. Do you bring it up the next argument? Or do you just choose to walk away from it and not to remember it? Now, my wife was sitting in here. I can tell you what she would say. My wife does not bring up the, th the past. Robert's got too good of a memory sometimes. So I've got to learn how to choose to forget. So they take this flax and they put it up on the roof and it is bleached white. And when it's bleached white, they turn it into linen. What is linen? What was linen used for but the undergarments of the priest? Under their ephod and under all of their garments, they wore linen. And that was to keep them cooler because those, are, those garments have got to be warm. And they were required to put on a suit of linen first. And it kept them from contaminating their garments. And it kept the, guard, the yards and the dirt from contaminating them. The linen was their righteousness. Now I know the Bible tells us that our righteousness is but filthy rags. But our righteousness is but filthy rags unless we have Christ. And his righteousness replaces ours. And his righteousness covers us. And his righteousness protects us. And his righteousness keeps us. She hid them under the flax. She hid them under the linen. She kept them protected using straw, wheat, grain, however you plants, vegetation. But she kept them with the linen. She had brought them up in the roof and hid them with the stalks of flax which she had laid upon the roof. And the men pursued after them the way to the Jordan and to the fords. And as soon as they which pursued after them were gone out, they shut the gate. And before they were laid down, she came up unto them upon the roof. Now she told them she didn't know where they were at. She told the guards that came to her house and knocked on her house and apparently they was watching very closely because they knew exactly which house to knock on. And they said, bring out the men that came to you. Now what was her occupation? Her occupation was a harlot. Why would the men of Israel choose to go into a harlot's house? If you're wanting to hide out in the open, you do it in the most obvious of places. And people going in and out of a harlot's house would be no bother. That happens all the time. So the men of Israel had apparently knew where this lady lived. How? They had never been to Jericho. But by the guiding of God's Spirit, he brought them to this house. And they went in, not in as she was a harlot, but they went in for protection. Sometimes God will even use a donkey. I mean, look, he's got me up here speaking. He will use some of the most 
unusual things to get where he wants to be. Joni Erickson Tata, and I apologize if I don't get this quote correctly, says, God will do or allow what he hates to get what he loves. Think about it. If you don't know who she is, at the age of, I think, 17, she dove into some shallow water and broke her neck, her spine. She is now paralyzed. She is an author. She is a painter. She is an inspirational speaker. But most importantly, she's a Christian. But listen to what she says. God will allow what he hates to gain what he loves. He allowed those men to go into a harlot's house for protection because he knew, he knew the outcome. He knew what her heart was. But here she is standing at her door lying through her teeth. That's the only way you can say it. No, I don't know where they're at. She just took them to the roof, put them under the flax, I'm not telling you that lying is ever acceptable. It is not. But I believe that this lady named Rahab, she repented of that. In just a few verses, we'll see that. Sometimes our flesh wins out over our spirit. Sometimes we say things that we don't need to say, and sometimes we do things that we don't need to do. And even Paul said, the things that I want to do, I don't. And the things that I don't want to do, I do. Well, now that's kind of confusing. But we are there. How often have we said, oh, I'd never do that. And we find ourselves right there doing it. How often do we say, oh, I'd never say that. But we say worse. We laugh at the stupid, ugly jokes. If you're not standing up against it, you're... Going along with it. Now, hear what I'm saying. There are times in this world that we don't need to take a stand. And there are times in this world that is required of us to take a stand. When do you know the difference? When God tells you. You take a stand and God tells you not to, it's not going to end well for you. If you are told to take a stand and you don't, it's not going to end well for you. I don't care what it is. Yes, lying is never the answer. And in the New Testament, it tells us that when they haul us before the judges to persecute us, not to rehearse, not to worry about what to say, because God will give us what he wants us to say at that time. Matthew chapter 24. So don't be concerned with what's going on in the world. Oh my gosh, is it going to get worse? Yes. Sorry, it is. Don't worry about what you're going to do. Ask God what you should do. And before they were laid down, she came up unto them on the roof, and she said unto the men, I know that the Lord hath given you the land and that your terror is fallen upon us, and that all the inhabitants of the land faint because of you. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you, 
when you came out of Egypt. And what you did unto the two kings of the Amorites that were on the other side of Jordan, Sihon and Og, whom you utterly destroyed. Forty years earlier, they heard the stories. They remembered the stories. Here is a group of people leaving the country of Egypt, the Pharaoh and his mighty army behind them and the Red Sea in front of them, not the Reed Sea, the Red Sea. It would even be a bigger miracle if it was the Reed Sea because it's only about ankle deep in most places. And I still haven't figured out if it is the Reed Sea, how those horses drowned in an ankle deep water. But if it was the Reed Sea, that's a huge miracle. But he split the Red Sea down the middle. They, the Israelites walked across on dry ground. But the moment the Egyptians touched the base of the, of the lake, it turned back to mud, and they all drowned. So it was a miracle. But here it is in the land of Jericho, in the city of their enemies, and they've heard the story. They've been told. And they're fearful. Do you have anything to be afraid of tonight? What's going on in the world should excite us. Not for the killing, not for the looting, not for the murder, not for the violence, but what God is about to take place in this country, in this world, should excite us. We are getting ready to go home. It's coming. We are definitely in the days of sorrow. Matthew 24 tells us that we will hear of wars and rumors of wars. And Vanessa's back there shaking her head because I didn't give her any of these scriptures. Wars and rumors of wars, earthquakes in diverse places, pestilence, famines. Guys, we're there. But he said, don't be afraid. Don't be terrified, Luke tells us, that we are not at the end, but we are at the beginning of the days of sorrows. We are there, guys, and that should excite Christians. But it also should bother us, and there should be a sense of urgency about everything we do now because we've got loved ones that are not going to make it. We've got friends that just don't quite get it yet. We've got neighbors that just doesn't understand, and we've got strangers that meets us on the street. We are to be about the Father's business. Not just on Wednesday night at 7 p.m. and Sunday morning at 9.30 and Sunday morning at 10.30 and Sunday night at 6. But Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, 25 hours a day, 8 days a week. We are to be about our Father's business. And there are people all over the room going, wait a minute. Boy, is dumber than a load of bricks. Well, you're giving the bricks some. We are to be about what God has told us to do constantly. They felt the terror in Jericho. Now here is a walled city with thick gates. That The gates were closed every night so the enemy couldn't sneak in. But they were terrified. They were terrified of a movement. They were terrified of what they had heard. They hadn't seen anything. They just heard it. They were terrified. 
For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt. And what you did unto the two kings of the Amorites that were on the other side, Jordan, Sihon and Og, whom ye utterly destroyed. Not that they had seen any of this, they had heard it. What has the world heard about who you serve? And how have they heard it? Through your mouth, through your testimony, through your walk, through your life, or someone else. See, it's up to us to be the witness. It's up to us to do the testimony. It's up to us. I can't testify for you. You can't testify for me. I can reach people you can't. You can't reach people that I can. It's up to you to reach out to those friends and loved ones and family. It's up to you. And as soon as he had heard these things, our hearts did melt. Neither did there remain any more courage in any man. Because of you, for the Lord your God, he is God in heaven above and in earth beneath. There's her repentance. Yes, she told a lie, but here is her repentance. She had faith. She knew that there was a God that the Israelites served. And he was the God. He was the Lord. He was the God of heaven. And he was the God of the earth. Now see in the country in the city of Jericho. And it was a city but it was also its own little country. It had its own little king. Who thought himself something special. They had their own little gods. And none of their little gods could do anything like this one god did. And that's what she's telling them. That's what she's telling the two spies. We are fearful of your god. We don't understand it. Who in here understands it? I don't. I just know that God is still in charge. He is still on the throne. And he is still helping and saving and working. Why wait? And if I had to put a title to this, why wait? You go, wow, that's a long introduction. Now we're going to get to the meat of the matter. I had to give you the background. Why wait? As soon as we had heard these things, our hearts melted. What have you heard? Oh, we've heard about the violence in the streets, and we've heard about this, and we've heard about that. But are we telling the story? Are we telling our side of the story? Or are we just flipping on the news and believing whatever comes across that TV? Verse 12, Now therefore I pray you swear unto me by the Lord, since I have showed you kindness that you will also show kindness unto my father's house and give me a true token. Don't just show it to me. Don't make me this promise, but promise my father's house. If you are true Christian, he's done told us our house, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Who are we serving today? Not a little G God, but a big G 
the God of the universe, the creator of it all. You can believe whatever you want to believe about how old this earth is. You can believe the stories that you've read and heard from archaeological digs that this earth is millions and billions and trillions and quadzillion years old if you want to believe it. I don't care. Whether it's 6,000 years old or it's 6 trillion years old doesn't matter to me. Because if it's 6 trillion years old, God was there. If it's 6,000 years old, God was there. If it was just 6 days old, God was there. If we last another 1,000 years, and I hope we don't, but if we last another 1,000 years, God will be there. For his remnant, there will always, always, always be a remnant. And you're going, how does this mean why wait? I'm getting there, trust me. Trust me. Give my father's house. Give me a true token. And that ye will save alive my father and my mother and my brethren and my sisters and all that they have and deliver our lives from death. She wasn't asking just for herself. She was asking for her family. She was asking for her friends. She was asking for anybody and everybody. When was the last time you prayed for your family? When was the last time that you prayed for your cousins, your aunt, your uncle, your fifth cousin twice removed. When was the last time you prayed for all that they had? When was it that we went to God on a more personal note, but not a selfish note? When was the last time? I can tell you that I have actually seen, and with my own eyes, a beautiful example of an individual reaching out to an extended family and that extended family coming back to know the Lord. I've seen that. I've lived that. Every time we went home to my dad's house, right after my wife and I got married, she would look at my father and she would say, Dad, come to church with us. Dad, come to church with us. Dad, come to church with us. She said that every weekend that we was there, and we went quite often. And then one day, my dad just got tired of listening to it. She wore him down. And he said, I'll go the next time you come into town with me. I'll go with you. She, he made her that promise. He didn't make me that promise. The next time we went into town, she didn't ask. She's like, well, he's never came. He won't come this time. We were sitting there in the living room on the couch, and I smelled a familiar smell that I hadn't smelled in a long time, and it was my dad's cologne. And he only wore that on certain special days. And I peeked around in the hallway, and he was in a dress shirt and dress pants, and he was heading to the kitchen. And I went, Hey, Pops, you going someplace? Yeah, boy, I'm going to church with you.
He went into the kitchen. He looked at my sweet little mother, and she, he went, I'm going to church with Robert Lynn. You want to go? I truly believe my mother was standing at the front door in a dress before her dish towel hit the floor from the kitchen sink. I hadn't seen my mother move that fast since the last time she got mad at me. She was standing at the door. I want to go to church. We went to a church. The next Sunday she calls me and she said, guess where we went? Fishing? I didn't know. We went to church, silly. Praise the Lord. What, what church did you go to, Mom? And her cousin was preaching at a little Baptist church not far from the house, and they started going back to that little Baptist church. And I was like, wow. Months, maybe even a year or two later, they're still going. Now my brother's going. Now my sister's going. Wow, this is amazing. Thank you, Lord. And my dad looked at me and went, I only went back to shut your wife up. <laughs> so wear them down if you have to. Whatever it takes. She was inviting him to church. And, but in respect, she was inviting him back to Christ. My dad was a preacher when I was, before I was born. He got mad at the church, got mad at God, turned his back and walked away from it all. When I announced that uh, I felt like God had called me into the ministry, he looked at me and he went, I regret getting out of the ministry. I said, sir, it's not too late. He said, it is for me. No, sir, it is not. My mother had turned, worn out a Bible reading it as a child, as when I was a child. No telling how many times she had read through the Bible. No, many, no telling how many tears that woman cried over her family. She told me later she was just waiting for him to say, let's go to church. So my wife inviting him, God was directing her to where she needed to be. And that was inviting my dad and wearing him down. It's not too late. He passed away in 2015. Mom passed away in 2000. And when they left here, there's no doubt in my mind where they went. The last breath they took here was the first breath they took there. And they have been there. My mom's been there for 20 years. Dad's been there for five years. And they're just having a great time. And if they could tell any of us, they would say, come and join us. So it's not too late. But why wait? Why wait? And you're going, well, wait a minute. We're Christians in here and we're saved. But how many times sitting in our pews or in our chairs, how many times when the Holy Spirit's moving, you don't? I'm guilty of it. We all are. Why wait for God's blessing? Move. God's troubling the water. Move. Why wait? Now this is going to be more apparent why Joshua chapter 2 in just a moment. Why 
way. Why wait for your salvation if you are not saved tonight? Because you're not promised tomorrow. We are going to have a memorial service here Saturday for a 32-year-old who left my house in less than two miles, had a car wreck, and died. He did not get into that car thinking that he wasn't going to get out. We're not promised tomorrow. We're not promised the next breath. How far away is heaven? One heartbeat. One heartbeat. So if you're not saved, tonight's the night. If you are saved, tonight's the night to get closer. Because you can't get close enough. My father passed away with dementia, Alzheimer's, whatever you want to call it. Before he got so sick, though, each one of my sisters, and I have four beautiful sisters, would climb up in my dad's lap when they come home. And he'd wrap his arms around them, and he'd hug on them, and he'd give them daddy loving. And they just ate it up, and he ate it up. They couldn't get close enough to their earthly dad. We can't get close enough to our heavenly father. And that ye shall save alive, verse 13. My father, my mother, my brethren, my sisters, all that they have, and deliver our lives from death. And the men answered her, Our life for yours, if you utter not this our business. And it shall be when the Lord hath given us this land that we will deal kindly and truly with thee. Then she let them down by a cord through the window, for her house was upon the town wall, and she dwelt upon the wall. Now that verse has always confused me. But archaeology has discovered that when they uncovered Jericho in the year 1909, oh, excuse me, 1919, 1920, when they re excavated Jericho, there were houses that the back walls of the house was actually the town wall. So they literally built their house on the wall, using the wall. Now we know what happens to Jericho just in a few chapters. They march around it and the walls fall. All of the walls fall. How could she have survived? Archaeologist tells us that some of the houses didn't fall at that moment. That there was a section in the southern end that stood. Hmm. Archaeologist has proven the Bible. Imagine that. She let them down through a cord, through the window, for her house was upon the town wall, and she dwelt upon the wall. And she said unto them, Get you to the mountain, lest the pursuers meet you, and hide yourselves there three days, until the pursuers be returned, and afterward may you go your way. Three days. I wonder, is that significant? Yes. I read in uh, some Bible scholars say that Joshua is one of the few Old Testament books that had no reference to Christ in it at all. And I'm like, are you kidding me? 
This is Jesus from the word go. Three days they were to be hid. Three days on a mountain they were to stay. And then they could leave. Three days he was in the grave for our salvation. And the men said unto her, We will be blameless of this thine oath, which thou hast made us swear. Behold, when we come into the land, thou shalt bind this line of scarlet thread in the window, which thou didst let us down by, and thou shalt bring thy father, thy mother, thy brethren, all the father's household home unto thee. Look at that line. When we come into the land, when we come into the land, you shall tie this red ribbon in your window. When we come, tie. That's important to understand. And that's where the why wait comes in. So when we're coming into the land, you are to tie this ribbon, this red scarlet string, if you will. It was what people believe was a part of the rope that she used or the cord that she used to let them down by. Tie this red scarlet string in your window when we come. And it shall be that whosoever shall go out of the doors of thy house into the street, his blood shall be upon his head, and we will be guiltless. And whosoever shall be with thee in the house, his blood shall be on your head, if any hand be upon him. And if thou utter this our business, then we will be quit of thine oath, which thou hast made us to swear. Verse 21. And she said, according to your words, so be it. And she sent them away, and they departed. And she bound the scarlet line in the window. She didn't want anything to interfere with the blessing that she was about to receive. She didn't want to get caught up in the life that she had led up to that point. She did not want to allow life to interfere with her blessing and her salvation. Why wait? When we come into the land, tie the ribbon. When they left, she tied the ribbon. Why wait? I believe in deathbed salvation. I've seen it. I've been a part of it. But why wait? You're not promised a deathbed. Some years ago, there was two sons driving up Black Mountain. And as they drove up, they did not know what was coming down. But at the top of Black Mountain, there was a semi-truck who had lost its brakes. It was carrying a bulldozer. He had negotiated about half to two-thirds of that mountain safely, barely. But as that car carrying the two sons, the two brothers, got even with that truck, the chains on that bulldozer that was holding it on that truck broke. That bulldozer came off of that trailer, bounced one time in the highway, jumped the median, and fell on their vehicle. They had no deathbed. We're not promised a deathbed salvation. A good friend of mine came to know the Lord two years before he passed away of an illness, and he would tell you if he were here, 
I shouldn't have waited so long. Why did I wait? Why did I wait? I didn't come to know the Lord until I was 21 years of age and I had moved away from Tennessee, away from everything and everybody I knew. And I came to know the Lord in what we call the prayer chapel. My sister-in-law or my future sister-in-law was playing the piano and she was playing until the storm passes by. And the spirit moved. And I ran to that altar. And I fell at that altar. And I boo-hooed and boo-hooed and boo-hooed. Just a few short months later, I was back at that same altar, boo-hooing again. No, I hadn't backslid. But I was there, and the Holy Spirit was there. And have you ever heard of being drunk in the Spirit? Well, I can tell you what it feels like. And I'm thankful that there was a friend of mine that was with me that was willing to drive me home because I bounced off of every pew in that church. I couldn't walk straight. I couldn't talk straight. I couldn't see straight. When the Holy Ghost fell on me, he fell. Why wait? Yes, I'm Christian. I'm saved. I'm on my way to heaven. But why wait on your blessing? God has got so much for us and the only thing that's holding him back is us. Little children, you have not because you ask not. What is it that you have need of today? Do you have need of a healing? Do you have a need of a Holy Spirit? Do you have a need of a touch physically, financially, spiritually, mentally? Maybe you're just mentally drained with all the garbage that's going on in the world. God is our rest. God is our peace. God is our comfort. You know, we, we pray at funerals and we pray over sick people. Oh, Lord, give them their comfort. God is here to give you comfort. What do you have need of? Why wait? Not next week, not next year, not tomorrow. Now. What do you have need of now? What is it that you're just being troubled by now? God's here. He's here. He's willing to touch any and all. You see, he's not limited. We recently had a toilet paper shortage. You couldn't buy toilet paper. God is not limited you can have as much of God as you want. You can have as little of God as you want. God is not limiting you to the blessings of Him. God is not limiting me to His blessings. What is it that you need? What is it that you desire? He said He would grant the desires of our heart. Now, I would love to have a Corvette. That's a desire. But that's not the desire of my heart that he's talking about. See, when you get saved, your desires change. Because he changes you. You can't do it, but he can. So what is it that you desire? You want a closer walk with him? He's not holding you back. You are. You know who your biggest enemy is? It's not even Satan. 
It's that individual that you see in the mirror when you look in the mirror every morning or every evening. That's your biggest enemy. He's the one or she's the one that's keeping you away from. Because you see, if you take one step towards God, God will take two toward you. He'll double the distance quicker. It's up to you. It's up to me. It's up to us. He said, if my people, which are called by my name, will just humble themselves and pray and turn from their wicked ways. See, we got to humble, we got to pray, and we got to turn. He said, then I will hear from heaven, and I will hear heal their land. So if we humble, pray, and turn, he will heal and hear. It's up to us. We stop God. God doesn't stop him. He wants to bless you. He is a loving Father that wants to bless you. Why wait? He is a loving Father that wants to save you. Why wait? He is a loving Father that wants you to have your name written in the Lamb's book of life. Why wait? So I'm offering the altars to anyone and to everyone. You can make an altar wherever you're at. You can move up here. That's fine. It doesn't matter. But understand that had Rahab waited and not tied that ribbon in the window, she would not have been saved. Had something interfered with her, she would not have been saved. If life had gotten into the way, she would not have been saved. Now, one last point about the, the building, the houses that they uncovered in 1919 and 1920. They were the size of inns. They were the size of small hotels. So most Bible scholars believe that Rahab lived in an inn. Oh wait, the inn is full. You can't come in. God's inn is never full. You're always welcome. Vanessa, would you play... Amazing grace, how sweet the sound. It saved a wretch like me. You would not have liked me if you'd known me 40 years ago. You may not like me now. I don't want to hear that answer. Okay? Keep that one to yourself. That's rhetorical. My wife wouldn't have liked me 40 years ago. But God can do something miraculous. He can take a nothing. As Summer once said, a dirty bag of trash. Amazing and make something out of it. A son and a daughter of a living God. It's up to you. You want a blessing? God's here. Those watching on the internet or those that will be watching, God's there. It's up to you. So lost, I didn't even know I was. I asked Daniel Boone one time, said, have you ever been lost? He said, no, but I've been bewildered for three days. We get that lost. 
was grace God is here for you, for me. My Come, reach out to him. The water is troubled. Our most kind and gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you, Lord, for you always being there when we call. We thank you for hearing our prayers, no matter how selfish, no matter how misguided they may be. Lord, no matter how sometimes we pray amiss, Lord, you hear. Lord, you still love us in spite of ourselves. You loved us so much that you was willing to die on the cross in my place just so that I could have a place at the master's table. You loved us so much that you was willing to die on the cross so that we could have this amazing grace. That no matter how far we go, no matter how far we stray, Lord, you're always there to welcome us back to the family with open arms. Lord, I ask that you'll move. Lord, I ask that you'll touch. Lord, I ask that you'll deliver today, Lord, to anyone and to everyone in the sound of my voice that you will deliver them from the gates of hell. Lord, that you'll touch and that you'll deliver the, the gifts, the blessings. Lord, to those that need it. Lord, to those that are here. Lord, to those that are there watching. And God, we are so mindful, Lord, of what you have done. And Lord, we are so mindful of what you are doing. And Lord, we are so mindful of what you will do. Lord, we don't understand. But Lord, we, all we have to do is place our hand in yours and walk as a little child does with their father and know that all is well. All is well. Lord, as long as I've got my hand in yours, I can't get lost. I can't wander astray. As long as I keep my eyes fixed on you and my hand in yours. And Lord, we thank you. We thank you for your many blessings. And Lord, we ask that you'll stretch forth your hand, Lord, as we are about to dismiss on those that are here, Lord. Those that will be traveling, God, we ask that you'll give them traveling mercies until we can come together again with you, Lord, in Jesus' sweet and holy name. Amen. God is good to us. Guys, I appreciate it. You didn't throw rotten tomatoes at me. I always liked preaching in the early part of the year. There are no rotten tomatoes yet. Friday morning, Bible study. Saturday, pray for my daughter. She's going to need all the prayer you can get. Just recently she actually said that as it got closer to Saturday, the harder it got. You know, it's tough being a dad watching your daughter suffer, watching your daughter go through this. And there's nothing you can do except pray. And I appreciate your prayers. Sunday morning. Adult Sunday school, see, I told those of you that were sitting in adult Sunday school, I didn't, I wouldn't go through it like we normally do. But we'll, I'll be back Sunday. You can count on it. We might get a verse done. Love y'all. Be careful going home.